Hello, horror fans. It's me, Cassandra, from the Horrorcraft Podcast, and today we have on a special guest. We have on Dee Caples. She's from Red Cape Publishing, and her new book came out on October 28th, and it is a collection of short stories. There are a few poems in there as well, and it's called Shadows of Death, and it also is um, illustrated in conjunction with David Paul Harris, also of Red Key Publishing. Um, and it's it's fantastic. I have to say, like, I was very intrigued when I first read it and saw the artwork with it. I wondered how that would kind of play into it. But each artwork is very unique with the story. And it's very captivating. Um, I don't know how to describe it other than it's kind of like your favorite gothic novel meets a graphic novel. But also happens to end up in a museum. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like that that to me what is what describes like what you're going through in the actual when you're reading the book the stories I mean there's a lot of really there's some great stories in there there are some stories that are not for the meek um right. most definitely right. or much less the children uh. <laughs> yeah uh yeah no this is not a children's book most definitely no. No. um no. but I'm super excited to have you on because this is the first book that I've had that was illustrated and the concept behind that, like a lot of people I think don't think that art and horror novels go together. Um, but I mean, like, oh, this, is, this is a yeah. perfect like pairing. Yes. Uh, David Paul Harris is a very good artist. Uh, I, I met him on, on a Facebook website called, uh, Nothing ever happens in Box Hollow, and and David uh, would give us some of his drawings now and then. And and one day he asked me if I would be uh, be interested in doing a serial work on his website, davidpaulharris.com. And so I wrote, uh, I think it was seventeen or eighteen chapters, maybe it was nineteen, one a week, and and he would draw a picture with it. And sometimes in the story, there'd be a picture with that too, but he was just wonderful. He's, he's a very good artist. And and I, I like to say that you have to look close because there's other meanings besides just the one in the, in the drawing. Yeah, they're very, uh, he, he is, he's a fantastic artist and it it's just you you look at it before you read the story and I know a couple times I had to go back after I read the story that the art uh Prita said and I just you get like a deeper understanding once you read the story you kind of understand some elements more like it's one of those kind of books that when you read it over and over again, you get a different piece of it, um, which I think is the greatest type. 
thank you. I, I, I like those kind of stories myself. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, I wouldn't expect anything less because you we have a dear mutual friend, Chisto Healy. Um, yes. And if you had not seen his episode, um, his current book with Mark Tao's The Bucket List, same way. Like, yeah. those two are sick and twisted by themselves but together <laughs> it's a whole lot I like I I literally in the interview told Chisto I'm like I literally read the book and then sat there for me like 20-30 minutes just like what the hell did I just read <laughs> <laughs> and there were a couple moments of that reading a couple of your stories like I'm just like what did I just process? Like I liked it, but I don't yeah. know how to feel about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I like uh, uh, some of these stories. I wanted the reader to uh, decide for themselves. You know, things like like in tick tick tick. You know, where did where did the uh, where did the uh, these invaders come from? You know, was it something uh, from space, or what, did we do something to the to the earth and and uh you know we're getting what we deserve or and and uh, i i i rarely uh designate anybody's uh race right or or what they look like in a in a book because uh I, i'd rather they make up their own mind i always have characters pictured in my mind when i'm reading and and uh I, that's the way i wanted them to be able to do and and uh and and you know decide for themselves what certain things mean in the story yeah most definitely i i think that you do a really good job about it and i definitely want to dive into the book but first in true horror craft fashion we are going to do a couple icebreakers it's nothing crazy and i always put a disclaimer with this all these questions are objective. It could be, honestly, if we're talking about favorites, it could be your all-time favorite. It could be something that you're liking right now. Um, I oh, think as yeah. horror fans, our answers are always changing and evolving, and it depends on the mood that strikes us. Um, right. Definitely. So, um, first question, what is your favorite scary movie? Martyrs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of people didn't like the American version, and it it did not get good critical reviews. It made very little money, but I like the American version. I've seen the French also, even though I hate to read subtitles. Uh, I watched it just to see what the original was about, and and I thought, yeah, you know, the people who didn't like it were right. You know, they they kind of changed up something, but. You know, they said, and, and the American version was too bloody and gory. Excuse me, the French version, they skinned the girl, you know. And I, yeah, I yeah. mean, it's a French extremist film. Yeah, I, I also enjoyed It Follows. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, a movie that scared me where I, I mean, literally jumped was, was and it's not, it's not a horror movie, but Alien uh <laughs> yeah you know i think alien is one of those movies 
that and I do believe that it's a horror movie like uh, I I think mm-hmm. we have this this like subcategory of horror movies that like they fall in between what we think is maybe a classic horror movie um but still has elements I think alien and aliens yes is definitely yeah, one of those um yeah. but I you know alien it, it's one of those one-of-a-kind movies that you will only get the experience once of you know the certain scenes like especially with the chest burster scene like that you you don't expect it you don't expect it you kind of have in your mind what an alien movie is going to be before you watch it and then that and honestly like you know that it's their genuine reactions and once you find out like how that came about you know you understand that so much deeper so yeah i definitely i mean aliens alien is terrifying because it's the same thing with a thing like anybody around you could be dangerous without you even knowing about it and could turn into something else and you would not even know um and that to me is inherently scary like you know you're already it's already terrifying because you have aliens involved but then the fact that this could be taking over somebody you care about and you don't even know until the last of the body snatch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But like to the umpteenth degree, it's just one of those yeah. things that like, you know, you don't know that that's going to happen to that person until that alien is literally bursting out of their chest. Um, and it's terrifying. Um, so yeah, the, I mean, those are great. And Martyr, I mean... Martyrs is not a movie for the week. <laughs> um, no, no, definitely. No. I I tell people all the time, like, I, I think I had someone recently that was like, oh, yeah, that that sounds like it would be a good movie. And I was like, listen, you, you kind of have to work yourself up the ladder first um, before that. Like, we have yeah. to get to a certain level before we can get to that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you have if you're not familiarized with horror um but yeah i think those are great but yeah i think alien would definitely be a horror movie um i think it definitely changed the way that we saw aliens in general and organisms and space um and saw it through a different lens um and i i don't i don't trust you know uh every it's not just that every movie you know the aliens come down they turn out to be bad you know they're uh, lizard people that want to eat us. They want to take over our world because theirs is dying or whatever. Yeah. But they just don't like us. Uh, yeah, I, I don't trust aliens. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's like, please leave us alone. <laughs> yeah. We have enough problems. We don't need you guys coming from space. Um, so what is this? Again, this could be your own opinion, but what is your favorite underrated horror movie or a horror movie that you love that you feel is very underrated oh uh gosh uh yeah that's that one uh, uh you know i've seen so many that uh i think were underrated um and and really got the shaft you know as far as reviews go um oh god you know i can't i can't let me let me think about that in the back of my mind for a little bit <laughs> and, and uh because I've seen so many horror movies, uh, but 
<laughs> yeah, no, well, I Donna, understand. I don't know why Donna the Dead came to mind. <laughs> you know what? That is a great answer, though, um, because I feel like both the original. Oh, I just and... huh? It's a beautiful cat. Oh, <laughs> thank yeah. you. Yes, this is um for the listeners who haven't heard. This is the other um mascot for the Horrorcraft podcast and this is Brinley and she joined our family around Christmas and she is a uh Himalayan a Persian Himalayan um yes she's a very gorgeous cat and a spooky cat she has her own Instagram um (laughs) so um she has been known to um wander the halls of our house in bat wings whether helped by me or not so if you want to see that definitely go on instagram and check it out because it's hilarious um we are always putting our cats up to shenanigans but they always want to know what we're doing here and um absolutely but yeah dawn of the dead definitely like i feel like the original gets overshadowed a lot um obviously by night of the living dead and then um day of the dead but i mean dawn of the dead definitely did a lot of things that i think people didn't think about until that point and then even the remake that they did of dawn of the dead um to me that was kind of the i think showing you what you could do right with a remake because dawn of the dead the original definitely has a different feel than the remake and but it doesn't take away from either one i think of um but yeah i think that's i think that's great and i think it's a shame that in a era where we have so many movies getting remastered and um recut and stuff like that that dawn of the dead hasn't i mean i know it got a cut i think overseas um but I know to get like a copy in the States, it's like a hundred and some dollars on eBay. Um, really? Yeah, I got one for 10. I lucked out. I thought it might be a scam. I went and did it and it was not. But if you go to any like eBay or even going into like your local, like we have the exchange for movies and stuff like that. And uh, I know around... I think it was Halloween. They had it for sixty bucks for the DVD. Uh, are, you, are you talking about the Dawn of the Dead that came out in the seventies? Yeah. Or, or okay, yeah, and they did a remake of that one. Yeah, they did. Um, it was in two thousand six. Uh huh. Okay. So it's actually done by Zack Snyder, um, uh-huh. who did like three hundred and did a bunch of different other like superhero movies and stuff uh, um yeah. but it's very it's gritty it's grimy um it's what really it good has? it's got like yeah. big frames in it and um there are a couple other people but um you know they kept everything that made it good about the movie the original <laughs> and then they kind yeah. of rectified other things um so there are some truly terrifying scenes in there with like zombies that it's just nail biting um but yeah i think it's one of the underrated 
ones that kind of came out of the, you know, between 2000 and 2010 um, that I think a lot of people don't associate themselves with. Yeah. Um, but I think it's great. Yeah. And I mean, anything Romero is wonderful. And <laughs> yeah. I would say definitely say that that's a good, you know, a good one that I think people should know more about. Um, what is your favorite horror TV series? This could be current or past. Uh, uh, being Human. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I really like Being Human. Uh, the Walking Dead, I, I was already tired of zombies, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I have watched some of it. and But, uh, yeah, I, I loved Being Human because it was funny. And there were places where it was just heartbreaking. Uh, you know, but the idea of a ghost and a vampire and a werewolf wanting to be roommates. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it was a great concept. I've seen the British version too. Yeah, I really like Being Human. I think that's a good um, TV show. I understand your feelings with The Walking Dead. Um, I like The Walking Dead. However, I feel yeah. like after a while, The Walking Dead, I don't know, it kind of got in front of itself. Um, I love The Last of Us right now. Um, that's really popular. Um, and I think that that's well-deserved. That's another zombie one. If you love zombies, yeah. <laughs> that's a really good one. It's got the guy, uh, Pedro Pascal, who plays the Mandalorian. Um, he's oh, okay. the um, he's one of the main characters, but it's based on a video game. Um, oh. But kind oh. of like with The Walking Dead, where it was based on the book uh, by Frank Durant. Um yeah this i they deviate in certain ways that i think does it justice and then they say true in other ways so i think it's a, a really good one so yeah um and if you haven't seen from that's another really good one that i would have yes yes it is did you ever watch lost a, a little yes okay so the some of the producers from lost um they it's a tv series that's um i think it's on mgm plus and i think you could find it on other places too but um they created this show and um the it's only got one season right now the second season i think comes out in april but it's about this yeah. town that is stuck in a time loop and people get stuck there and at night these monsters come out from the forest and try to kill everyone and it's about how they kind of they figure out a way to keep themselves safe during the night but still they're you know constantly in danger and how that kind of devolves when you're stuck in such a place for such a time and it really becomes like a mystery and there's other parts and stuff but um it it's brutal too like I tell people when you watch it, like if you want something that's just kind of in between, that's not the show. Like um, a whole family gets murdered in the first episode. Um, <laughs> so if, if you can't handle that kind of intensity, this one's not, but it, it's really good. So if you like being human, you would really love that. Oh, oh, I, I, I thought of uh, 
the horror movie that did get you know the attention yeah uh the forest oh yeah, yeah. with uh, it, the suicide people, forest right uh well, yes, yes, yes. Uh, I forget what the name of the forest is. It's over in Japan, but yes, uh, that whole thing is just eerie. I mean, the, the idea that people go there specifically for this purpose. And and uh, Natalie Dormer, I think is her name, the one that played Marjorie in Game of Thrones. Yes, and she, and she also, she yes. was also in the Tudors. Um, but yeah. Oh, yeah. I know what forest you're talking about. So I looked it up. It's on the base of Mount Fuji. Um, and I'm going to completely booker, butcher this, but it's Akagahara Forest. Yes. 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 But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's based on a real life forest where yes, people yes. go to die. Right. And, and the, you know, the, the spirits of the dead, you know, in the movie, they they come out. You're stay on the path, you know. And and in horror movies, there's people that just don't want to listen, you know. And there's a reason you stay on the path. You know? I feel like as horror fans, we get that. Like we're watching the movie and we're like, oh my gosh, like why are you doing this? Like right. you know, it's that inner scream monologue. You know how when you watch Scream and um, I think it was Jamie Foxx's character. It, you know jamie kennedy sorry um yeah. his his character you know was kind of like the voice of reason he was saying the do's yeah. and do nots of horror movie i feel uh -huh. like that's all of us watching a movie we're like yeah. you don't do that like you're gonna get murdered yeah you're going to me <laughs> like at night uh what's wrong with you yeah uh, oh, and there's a there's a new movie out it's a funny horror movie but it's uh don't f in the woods Oh and yes, something like that. And, 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 yeah, yeah, a bunch of teenagers. Of course, what are they going to be doing? You know. Yeah, the, <laughs> don't f in the woods is kind of like Tucker and Dale versus uh Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I think it is. Um, and the whole time, like Tucker and Dale are just these people who are just like, you know, they're just existing, and these these um teenager a young adults like think they're just this like backwoods people and they're not doing the killing like these situations just like happen themselves like the one the guy is just like him hauling around and the guy literally goes to attack him and he moves the wrong way and he like ends up in a wood chipper um <laughs> and i feel like that's the that's like don't f in the woods either yeah. so uh i think those those movies are great <laughs> Um, because you need that in between all of the the messiness of horror. Yeah, yeah. Um, you need to laugh. Yes, definitely. So, what is your favorite horror genre? Um, horror genre. Uh, well, I don't think it would be like the monsters. Uh, to me, horror. Uh, you know, we can all. We uh, we all get you know enjoy the ones that are the jump scares and and the the gory horror, but I'm not really into the gory horror. I think uh, to me the best horror is the things that people do to each other and yeah. things we do to ourselves and and uh, you know that's kind of why I like martyrs because you know that poor girl you know uh, she didn't ask for that 
and and here's these nuts trying to get this this person to tell them what is in the afterlife, you know, and and you know therefore they make a barter out of them, and and because uh, they're pretty sure they're going to go to heaven, but you know uh, people do awful things to each other, and and I guess um um psychological horror, you know, would be yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so my favorite is slashers and I think that kind of lends in it. Yeah, yeah. I think that kind of lends in it too. And the reason I, you know, that was a very different answer from when I was a young adult to now. Um, but yeah. that's because of the same thing that you're bringing up is I think the the thing with slashers is it's people. It's people are the worst. Um, you know, it's not some monster, you know, we could try to say it's someone behind a mask, but it's a person. Yes. And a lot of times it's the most unspeakable thing. Um, like one of my favorite slashers is the stepfather, you know, and that's based off of a true crime, but also too, in that movie, you know, that man is very, he's, you know, he seems like Joe cool, you know, the neighbor next door, just this like guy not knowing that you know he murdered his whole entire family and yeah. now is on to this other chapter of his life so i think no. it's very uh, same thing i think what fascinates me and also horrifies me at the same time yeah. is how yeah. horrible people can really be um yeah. and i think that's what makes us go to those kind of movies because you know a ghost a haunted asylum a vampire they're all cool but something that really gets to you is the fact that another person could be doing this to somebody else exactly yes yeah so definitely very much relate um which kind of brings into the next even though i don't do love creature features um i absolutely love the universal monsters i feel like you know there would be no horror without them as a cornerstone um and i always have to ask what is your favorite universal monster uh i guess uh my favorite universal monster would have to be frankenstein the original uh i you know i it was maybe part of the fact that it was this young girl who wrote the book uh and and Bless her heart. Nobody wanted to publish it because it was written by a female. You know, stop. Yeah. Uh, but that's the way the world worked back then. Uh, and in fact, the, the first publication of that novel uh, had to be published uh, as if Percy Bysshe Shelley, her husband, had written it. And and finally, they came out and said, no. <laughs> he said, look, my wife wrote this, okay? And, and y'all ought to be, you know, admiring her because it's an amazing book for someone so young to have written and and i think she started the monster thing she started the horror horror genre oh uh, definitely i would definitely say her and yeah. stoker definitely both yes. of them yeah. are yeah. full cornerstones but yeah i mean it is it's it's wild to think that she came up with that and then obviously you know the universal monsters version 
um, the rendition of the original Frankenstein. It's beautiful. And then Bride of Frankenstein, you know, the director of Bride of Frankenstein um, was one of the first openly gay men in Hollywood. And when you kind of watch the Bride of uh, Frankenstein, you can see some of the themes yeah, behind yeah. there about confronting yeah, your identity yeah. and different things like um, that. Yes, yes. So I think that's really good. I like Frankenstein. I was always a ride or die for Dracula. Uh, I have a weird thing oh, no, with no, yeah. with oh, Bram Stoker and uh, vampires. Yeah. Like I always did growing up. But uh, as you can kind of see from my sweatshirt, um, <laughs> in uh, recent years, I've kind of. I mean, Dracula is still great, but. Uh, creature from the black lagoon i think same thing like he's just he's living his life and these people come in and mess with his stuff and he they expect him to not have a response to that um plus i mean you know a lot of these characters with the universal monsters this was before like any of the technology that we have now and stuff so a lot of this was just method acting and Creature from the Black Lagoon, like that was a full on latex suit. It literally burned the skin of the man who was in the suit. Um, yes. Like it, it's insane at the lengths that they went through, like as Frankenstein, you know, the original costume lumbering around in that on this, the, you know, the back lot of Universal. Um, I think there's just such a beauty behind all of those. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that that made me think of part in, in Ed Wood, where where uh, it was Bella Lugosi. Uh, I I forget, but uh, 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 Martin Landau is is in then the that pond, and he's got that that uh, octopus. Yes, right around, and, and you know they don't have the thing hooked up to the. To the electricity so he's having to thrash the arms around manually yeah i uh martin landau anyways he's amazing um so we talked about john this is the last question so we talked about genre so as we know there's tons of genres in the horror uh genre but there are also lots of sub-genres, very particular sub-genres, um, kind of in between. Like, there are so many different categories of sub-genres for horror movies. It's insane. If you had to pick a favorite sub-genre, though, like a particular set of movies that just kind of tickle your fancy, what would it be? Oh, um, I guess it would have to be those with a little romance in them. Same, you know, I I understand. I grew up with 
Gerard Butler being Dracula, you know, when Wes Craven did Dracula 2000. And I mean, anyone that was around me in high school during that time, they just could not pale in comparison. I mean, he was Dracula and then he ended up going on to be the Phantom. And I was like, listen, I'm ruined for life now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. I think we all can, you know, especially with Dracula, like this man literally rebuffed God, um, you know, cursed himself to damnation because of the woman he loves. And, you know, they vilify him. And, you know, in the beginning of the movie, you really hate him, especially like the scene with him feeding the baby to his wives, Uh, you know, but I feel like you're, you're, you have to hate him in order to then appreciate him later on in the movie where you kind of see like, yeah, he did some really messed up stuff, but he also like, they told him that his wife's soul was damned to hell. Like, Uh, yeah, because she jumped off. Right. And it was a chasm of something that he was doing in pursuit of, you know, religious freedom and stuff like that. So he, you know, you then see him like find Mina and she's the modern day representation of his wife and he's just enthralled and we're all enthralled, you know, um, and and then in the man comes back out because of love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So those are really, I, I mean, I do, I do like a good romance. I do like a good you know let's root for the villain um i think a lot of villains get shafted i i say this all the time with um phantom of the opera but i grew up with you know the gerard butler version of phantom of the opera and i remember people just like fawning over raul and they're like that's such a beautiful love story and you know i'm just like he's he's like a first-rate fuck boy like he literally like he forget this woman like her father dies and he literally forgets she exists until she becomes famous and then it's like you're the love of my life you always were but the phantom has been like pining over her the whole entire time creates music creates a dress um same way with dracula 2000 like you know he's like you know you're you're mine you know that we're the only two like this in the world and we're gonna go forth and you know do all this and the the guy shows up and he's like hey your dad just told me about you and i think it would be really great if we were together yeah (laughs) let's go for it and i and she's like oh yeah let's let me just pick door number two and i'm like yeah (laughs) were we sitting through the same movie like i i don't know but yeah i mean i think we all want to root for the bad guy at the end of the day um i think the anti-hero is a concept that people really do gravitate towards and we all want to you know find that quote-unquote bad boy that we can like reform that we can redeem yes yes I, i i've always been drawn to the bad boy uh there's one in back there now, you know, waiting for the interview to be over with. <laughs> I have one too, so don't worry yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, the bad boy, uh, and uh, you know, but they, they get you in a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, especially when it, you're like Dracula and they damn you to eternal hell. But yeah, I mean, exactly. yeah. Hey, yeah. you know, losses and gains. That's that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah. thank you so much for doing the icebreakers. Yeah, um, I fun. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really glad that you enjoyed them. Um, and I'm super excited to talk about your book. Um, like I said, it came out last year, October 28th, um, and it is illustrated and it, I mean, there are a variety of different stories. Um, I mean, you really do run the gambit of taking off every single horror genre. Um, I know you said that you had done a serial in conjunction with, um, the (laughs) illustrator, um before this but what made you decide to go forward with this school book david david asked me he he and i were talking on facebook one day and he said uh he said how would you feel about writing a, a, a bunch of short stories and i would do the pictures and the theme has death death has to be in there somewhere and he showed me this picture of like this mummy and and he's coming unwrapped and i said well he said what do you see here and i said well uh i kind of think that that uh you know maybe i see him as a as an alien who crash lands on earth and and the egyptian people you know uh, see him as, as a god and uh yeah and and he said well that's an interesting idea so i sat down and wrote it uh I, I told him, yeah, I'd, I'd be glad to do it, and and I had a few stories that had death, you know, in him. So I sent him those, and I think the one, uh, uh, let's see, uh, what I like is in the limo, uh, that was the, the first one that I wrote, or maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was uh, um, the one about the the first one there, uh, the girl that. Uh, Accidentally, oh no, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, Kitty Divey too would knew. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was a very short one, but uh, I hammered that out in like one day. And then uh, it's like I'm never through editing. I go back and edit, edit, edit. And then uh, uh, Peter Blakey Novis from Red K Publishing sent me uh, his edits. And I sat there and okay, and I, I totally screwed that up. <laughs> I had never edited a book with you know the editing marks and all of that before. I just go back and erase it off the t- uh, computer and and you know retype it. But uh, you know, so I just sat down and 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 did this again. Added a few things, took away a few things, and, and it's like I, I'm never completely happy with it. It's always like, uh oh, there's a there's a comma next to that period, and and uh, I I think of a better word or I don't like that. I'm going to change that. But uh, yeah, David, David, uh, I, I'm really glad he asked me to do it because uh, yeah, I I love the pictures in it. And and uh, it it really taught me a lot as a writer, uh, writing this book, and kind of it's like you know you only got a certain amount of time 
you know, to, to reasonably to get this out. Uh, and uh, um, uh, Bad Bad Gerald. Uh, I don't know if you know Tim Mendes. Uh, no. But he, yeah, he's a published author. Uh, he lives over in England, and he has he has a radio show now, uh, and and he also does the show for YouTube uh, called um, After Hours, and and it's hilarious. Uh, I think uh, he says pub, pub rules apply, and I think that means you have to drink. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, I'd seen where uh, is he called his agent. Uh, he called his, his little crab that he has in his uh, fish tank, at, uh, Gerald, and that's his agent. And and I, I asked him, I said, you know, can I put you in a story? And he said, yeah, sure, what the hell? And uh, and I sent it over to him and said, you know, if you don't like it, I won't do it. But he, he liked it. And, uh, uh, you know, you mentioned Keystone. And and uh, I I had gotten this idea in my head, you know. I, people, you know, we don't always know how. You know, uh, people say, "How did you come up with that idea?" I don't know. Sometimes it's a song, or something you hear on the news, or and it just takes off on this tangent. But uh, I I had a thought of uh, David Green, who's another writer. And, and Keystone and I, we uh, during the pandemic, we we wrote these books, and and uh, and uh, it was just one chapter. It was called "Our Friend from Galway," and Keystone and I go over there to uh, uh, Ireland and hang out with David for a few days, and and David uh, tells us that he has done a bad thing. Uh, he's kind of brought something from. Uh, the, the writer world into our world, you know, the imaginary world, and and it, uh, and I thought, yeah, okay, that could be a whole book. And I said, what if I wrote this with Joe Vine? And and they said, no, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, uh, I um, uh, Tim Tim was really gracious to uh, let me put him in a book, and <laughs> but, yeah. But, yeah, I wanted I wanted them to be of different. Uh, I didn't want to just write, you know. Uh, I wanted straight up horror. I wanted, uh, and I even had a western, uh, an erotica, uh, which is really dirty, folks. Uh, if you want to read something nasty, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I one of my uh, favorite one that I continue to go back and read was first your money then your clothes um, <laughs> I really yeah. I yeah I really did like that yeah. one yeah. um yeah. just because of the way that it kind of creeps up on you and you kind of get enthralled along with the character um yeah, yeah. and I think yeah. it's a definite um kind of what we were talking about where you know you get sucked in you do, you know that this person is bad um yeah. but something still grabs you towards them um yeah. and I really appreciated that but yeah I mean you you have everything I mean it's like an a to z of horrors um and you know I have some friends who have done 
horror anthologies that are like A to Z where they each pick a different letter and stuff. But this, I mean, it everything is just so different and it's it's fantastic. Um so what inspired you to write? Um, is this something that just came to you later in life or is this something that you've always had a passion for? Uh, yeah, I've always, I've, I've been writing since like junior high school and uh, my, my, I worked for a maid service and I had a wonderful boss named Jan Drummond and she was a romance novel reading son of a gun. And some nights we would get like a gallon of wine and sit there and drink it and talk bad about men because we were <laughs> that is the greatest story yeah, ever. And, yeah, yeah. And and uh and you know I told her that you know I had written a few stories and they all came out like a romance novel. It's what they sounded like, no matter what the subject matter was. She said, "Well, then why don't you write a romance novel?" Okay, so I sat down with my little uh, Smith Corona typewriter and wrote one. It was just awful. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, uh, I didn't really get serious about writing until uh, my son had uh, come back one day from it had snowed and, and he was telling me about these strange marks out in the snow and, and he said it's like you know, two toes in the front. And and I said, Oh, what if it's like a dinosaur or some kind of creature that's and he said, exactly, you know. So I sit down and and I had gotten this conglomerate rock, which if uh it's kind of uh sandstone and, and it rolls around in the bottom of a of a river and collects all kind of pebbles and stuff and and I just started picking rocks out of it just to see what was underneath it and picked one out that looked like a little egg. And underneath, inside, encased in the stone, was this, like, membrane. Oh. Said, Ooh. Ooh, boom. And you know how old, you know, whatever was back in there had to be, you know? And and the next morning, I get up and I... I notice that rock and I look in it that membrane is gone so something dashed out of it right so that goes into the story too. <laughs> oh yeah it, I, I would have moved yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would have moved my, my first thought was an, a terrible kind of insect you know and it's going to grow these monstrous dinosaur type proportions but instead in the story it, it is a dinosaur you know and and I sent it in to Asimov, and they said, you know, this is, we, we take hard science here, okay? And this isn't exactly hard science. You know, it's a nice story, but, you know, I said, I'll get you. So, <clears throat> but uh, that was that was the first, uh, you know, story that I had really written that I liked. Uh, I had written a couple of poems before that, but, uh, uh, and I thought, you know, that's not that bad. So I sit down and write another story, and and uh, just so I guess I was uh, in my fifties before I wrote, uh, uh, you know, stories, uh, short stories, and uh, um, just the first time I was published was in uh, 
uh, Altered Reality Magazine, which is an online magazine. Right. Uh, very nice. Not, yeah, very nice lady named Linda Gray. Uh, and uh, she said, she gave me a lot of good advice about writing. And and I, I got my story published in there. And then uh, once you have that first publication, it's a little easier because anybody who's reading your submissions knows that somebody liked it. And okay, so, you know, uh, they take a chance on you too. And then you've got two publications. <laughs> right. And, yes, yes. Uh, and, and, uh, 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 both volumes of Nothing Ever Happens at Box Hollow. Uh, that was, uh, I was in those. And, um, uh, and then, uh, oh, the first, my first publication in book form was a short story called Brothers, which is in Shadows of Death also. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, th uh, that was, uh, that was kind of inspired by the stories of, of the black-eyed kids. Uh, you can, Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And there was some guy, he's a, a reporter uh, in Austin, and his, I saw his story on YouTube, and I just, whoa, whoa, you know? And and uh, I thought, you know, what if these black-eyed kids weren't, weren't, I mean, Jimmy Joe is bad, but, you know, his brother Davey is is not, and uh, he's, he's not bad, but, you know, and, and those kids, I kind of give them the shaft in here because, you know, but but when the, when the world is strange, nobody escapes the strangeness, even, even children. And these mm -hmm. poor little guys, you know, they're they're wandering about their, you know, are they dead or not? Yeah, uh, and and uh, uh, they're wandering about, and it's always night, and somebody inevitably pisses Jimmy Joe off, and he just chews them up. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I can definitely understand that. Um, I think we all kind of have myths that kind of have that same membrane through it. I know for us here, I live in Ohio. Um, I live in Norwalk. And around the area here, we have a road called Gore Orphanage Road. And there is a legend or myth. And there's never, it's never been verified. But there is an orphanage that caught on fire oh. and oh, a bunch yeah. of kids died and yeah. the story is if you go on gore orphanage road at night and you put baby powder on your car uh -oh. and you drive through there's handprints on the car from the kids touching your car yeah. um yeah. Yeah. and trying to reach out to you um i have not mm -hmm. verified this i do not want to fuck with that kind yeah. of stuff yeah. um <laughs> So I don't want to have to think about that um, in the area. Um, but I know, you know, we have legends like that around here. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people do. They want to think that violence is exclusive to, um, you know, adults. And it's oh, not. No, 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 no. no. Um, I mean, and it's sad that there's children, you know, that have committed murder. Yeah. Yeah. And... But but 
If you remember back when you were a child and you think, I hate you, I wish you were dead. Yeah. That fear was very strong and you meant it. You meant it right that moment. You know, maybe if they had actually been stricken dead, you might have changed your mind because that's your brother. <laughs> right. 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 But at that moment, no one hates completely like a child. I mean, when yeah. they say they hate your guts, they mean it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And one of my favorite movies last year was The Black Phone um, with um, Joe Hill. And that movie, I think, was completely made not only by the cast that played the children in that movie, but the fact that it did not shy away from the themes, which was how horrifying growing up can be and how you know this is not something that you know is foreign to just that time period or you know these are things that have always been going on but you just may never know it because it's in the background but it's still there Uh, so I think that that's great but I mean I, I think the fact that you do put so many different types of stories with different characters with uh, different backstories and everything i think it's it's wonderful because it never feels like it's just pieced together it always kind of feels cohesive in a really just kind of organic way um i think one of the best the best stories that i've written is is the last one uh when I wrote all these, I sent them in, and David said, now, I want you to write one more. He said, I want you to write a story about two brothers, and they played all t- together all summer, and then one of them dies, and the youngest brother dies. And it's not the older brother's fault, but, and I said, but he can't help feeling that it is. He said, exactly. You know, and, and I said, yeah, okay. And, and I kind of wanted it to, to have uh, my favorite Stephen King story is, is a short story called The Last Rung on the Ladder. And, yes. Yeah, and I read that. I got to the end and I said, Stephen, you son of a bitch. You did that, didn't you? And I mean, because I cried at the end and, and it brought tears to my eyes. And, and I, he said, I want this story to really get to people, you know. So, and, and, uh, and it, it's not, there's no blood, there's no gore, there's, there's death, you know, there had to be death in, in each one of the stories, something, something about death. And, uh, and, but, but that, that's harks back to what I said, that the things that we do to each other, you know, and it could just be one small thing, but boy, does it have big consequences. And, yeah, and, definitely. And, uh, yeah, and I think I think that was one of the best things I've written was uh, the shadow of death, the last story in the book, and yeah, and you know it it, it, it was kind of like summer summertime when I was a child. Uh, yeah, know, uh, it definitely does make you feel like that. Like I almost felt like for a minute it kind of had that feeling. That the first, um, the new It movie, the first one, you know, where they yeah. kind of have that like summer feeling 
of, you know, the the endless summer, but then there's something kind of lurking behind it. That's what I kind of felt. Yeah. 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 And and your summer just gets old. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, really does. Um, You know, you go to summer camp with hopes and dreams. It's that feeling of like going to summer camp with hopes and dreams and then finding out that you're in a camp with a mass murderer. Um, it just puts a damper on everything. I feel like that's kind of the mood that you get when you first like read like, Hey, it's summer, but Oh shit, this is really fucked up. Like, I really feel like that's kind of like what you invoked with that story. So not necessarily, I'm not saying that that was like the premise of the story, but you know what I mean? All right, we are back after a technical issue. Um, uh, you know, things happen. It's the Horrorcraft podcast. Um, it wouldn't be an episode if it, we at least didn't have one thing happening. Um, that was exciting. So, um, you know, you talked about Stephen King, but what would be a horror author that you would want to write with and what kind of story would you want to write? Oh, uh, mm. oh, yeah, it'd be great to write with King, but I can't. It would never happen. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, something like uh, uh, what could we write about? Uh, I, I really like the one that he did with his son. Uh, I can't remember the name of it now, uh, but uh, uh, I'd say something like uh, kind of a, a stand type of Ooh. Uh, yeah, I uh, an apocalyptic thing with uh, 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 creatures from hell and uh you know wanting to screw with us and uh you know sometimes they i think they do uh i know a lot of people don't believe in god anymore you know i bet but listen folks it's not god's fault what we do okay yeah and and people are always why did god why didn't god stop this or that or why does he why is everybody fighting and people start well hey it's up to us yeah uh I believe that that if somebody's hungry, what's wrong with you going and handing them a sandwich? Uh, uh, you know, it may not be the best idea in the world to take a bum home with you so he can get a shower and give him some clean clothes. <laughs> he might not right. leave. You know, or he might be somebody you don't want to know. Uh, but, uh, you know, why is there war? There's always been war. Right. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, it's often, you know, a lot of uh, uh, people with, you know, horrible egos and, uh, and psychopaths, actually, you know, uh, a lot of our, our political leaders are sociopaths to the bone. Um, uh, you know, they, they're they the ones that want to run stuff, you know, they're a little bit of a maniac. Uh, and, and, you know, 
I almost got, you know, in trouble, you know, on Facebook or somewhere. But uh, because I said, you know, I, uh, I kind of get what these guys are doing down there in Washington. Uh, I, I don't think all of them were. It wasn't necessarily about Trump. Uh, um, or maybe it, they did, he did spur it on, but I said, you know, I, I kind of understand where they're coming from because I thought, hey, let's get a group of folks and go down there and throw the bombs out, you know? Uh, you don't like what they're doing? Throw them out. Uh, <laughs> right. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I, I, I think everyone's that. entitled to their own opinion. Exactly. Uh, most yeah. definitely. But yeah, yeah, no, I think. Um, you know, definitely, I I could totally see you and Chiso doing oh, an apocalyptic. Yeah. Oh, hey, all right, well, yeah, there you go, babe. <laughs> I mean, I'm putting it in the universe, Chiso. If you're yeah. hearing this, like, uh, yeah. we're making this happen. So, yeah. I mean, he already did, you know, the bed and breakfast and um horrified uh our nightmares and now we need a taste of that in a post-apocalyptic world yeah you know keystone and i were in uh 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 hotel evil we both wrote for hotel evil which um yeah yeah and uh viking fiction uh and and that was fun to do uh uh there were a, a lot of people that I've read their stuff and admired them. Uh, and uh, uh, Jacqueline Moran Meyer is another friend that I met. You know, I know all these people that I haven't met face to face. You know, but, uh, you know. Right, no, I, I get what you're saying because, like, yeah. I, I I haven't met Taos in person. I haven't met Chisto in person. I haven't met... Ruth Ann in person. I, I there are a lot of people that I haven't met face to face yet, but I could tell you that they're probably some of the best friends that I could have, and yeah, people yeah. that I check up on regularly. I think it's especially in the horror community, um, because of the fact that we go so much against the grain, um, with different things. I think it's such a welcoming community. And yeah. I think a lot of times we're bonded through different experiences. I know for me, um, I made a lot of really good friends during COVID um, being on Clubhouse, which is like a an app for um, you can do like kind of like seminar type stuff, um, have like a room open or whatever. But th- there was a horror room and um we did a lot of watch alongs and kind of just yeah. got each other through COVID. Um, and oh, and he's watching the same movie and you're talking. Yeah. About yeah. yeah. We oh, yeah. I, I actually started with me going in there and I met my friend, Ashley Causey. And yeah. I was not a huge fan of the Saw movies um, because uh-huh. I thought they were kind of torture porn. Um, and yeah. I kind of mistakenly thought that, so they kind of talked me into, because Spiral was coming out at that point in time and they had talked me into doing this. So yeah, so all the movies were available on different like major streaming platforms. So, um, we would all watch them like, you know, you would go through the room and, um, 
you would get to a certain point, everyone would stop and you would all be kind of on the same thing, but it was really, it, it was really yeah. good. And I think it was a great experience, especially to get a different opinion about Saw um, because of the fact that I could watch it with these other people kind of talk about it. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what bonds people together. Um, so, yeah. you know, I think that's the nice, beautiful thing about the horror community is you can have such deep, profound friendships um and yeah. it seems weird because it's like oh yeah it's this friend that you know we haven't met in person yet but they know everything about my life and we check up on each other like every day yeah. Yeah. well you know there are a lot of really some of the nicest people i've met are, are horror writers and yes. you wouldn't think that that was so but it it is uh and and like jacqueline meyer uh she's she had a picture on facebook and i said you know, this this lady that's, you know, a homemaker and writer, uh, she, her picture looks like, you know, a, a thriller author would look like, but beneath that exterior lurks the, the heart of the imagination of, a, of an axe murderer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I totally get that because I think yeah. a lot of people who know me in my real life, when uh -huh. I had first, you know, horror has always been a huge part of my life. Like that's my comfort zone. Um, growing up, you know, I just loved horror and I think it was something I kind of had to keep close to the vest because a lot of people, especially in my area, they were like, you're a plus size woman who likes horror. That's just weird. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, so I, I think when people looked at it, they're like, oh, this, you know, in all intents of purposes, good girl, you know, kind of, um, you know, image yeah, mom. Yeah. and mom, you know, being a mom, being a mom to yeah. a child with autism, um, also going, you know, I have my associate's degree in legal studies. Um, so I, I studied to be a legal assistant and I love the law. I mean, that's something I, I loved since I was a child. Um, I, in high school, I would literally read law books, um, in the library, like tucked away. Um, so I think a lot of times people can't reconcile that part with the part that's like, I love this movie where this person got his head cut off and I can have total philosophical discussions about, you know, the meaning behind this horror movie or know all of these different things. And so like starting this podcast, people were like, how, how do you know anything about horror? Well, I've only been watching it most of my life. What do you yeah. mean? Like you, you, you're you. And I'm like, yeah, I'm me, but I'm also this. Yeah. Um, right. And I think that's kind of a lot of duality that a lot of us have is, yeah. you know, we have this image that maybe we present to other people, but then the true face that we can have with the horror community. Well, the old man said, somebody asked him, have you read her book? And he said, no. He said, and they said, why not? He said, I like her the way she is, but you know, this is her head. And if I read those stories, I'm not finding out something about her that I didn't want to know. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of times, you know, there are people that will ask my fiance, we've been together 
almost nine years. Um, next okay. month will be nine years. And, um, you know, they'll look at it and they'll be like, how, how, why with horror, like, is this something she's always done? And he's like, listen, that's, <laughs> that's a part of her. I've always loved that part of her. And I was the one that, you know, he did kind of encourage me to be myself. And he's exactly. always like, listen, you know, she has two different sides. And if you're lucky enough to see that other side, that's great. But, you know, it's something she's always loved. And, you know, I, I don't care. So I think he just kind of, you know, people are like, oh my God, like, are you scared of somebody who watches horror movies for comfort? Like, isn't that a red flag? And he's like, yeah, no, whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's fine. Like, she, yeah. it's okay. She just needs yeah. to watch her horror movie and go in a, a corner and she'll be okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I understand what thousand percent. So, it's funny that we talk about things that we do, like, on our off time. Besides horror writing and obviously being a horror fan, what do you do in your free time? Oh, lately I've been working on a, a hippie bead curtain. Uh, and I found that my blood pressure goes down when I work on it. Uh, I've got several strands. Um, and and I, I want to make a bead curtain for my bathroom. And another for uh, what I hope, hope will be my office. Uh, he's been promising me this for about a year. And he keeps pounding shit in there. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I'm determined, you know, that one day I, I'm, I'm a patient person. I've got a very long fuse, and there's a big bang at the end of it. And usually, you know, uh, well, uh, the only story really that he's read is is uh, uh yes, I finally killed you. Because I read it to him. And, and yes, it's partly about him, you know. <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, I, I don't think if you have never wanted to murder the person you love, are you really in love? I mean, because well, they, right. Yeah, they, uh, they make you madder than anyone else on earth. And, and uh, you know, the fact that you don't kill them you really do love this person <laughs> right it, no I agree 1000 yeah. percent. I think yeah. sometimes when people like my fiance and I we joke around all the time and I think people who like listen to us and don't know us could definitely think that we hate each other but we yeah. don't we yeah. love each other it's just <laughs> our, maybe our yeah. love language but it's right. like hey I love you um but stop pissing me off because I'll throw you down the fucking stairs yeah you're right yeah so and it's like i don't mean it but you know give me a gold star for at least not acting on that impulse like yeah. i mean i think it's natural to have those moments i mean it's not saying yeah. that you don't love the person you're with but yeah. i i think a lot of times people especially when you live with someone they equate intimacy with proximity um yeah. and they think oh because you live with that person you get intimacy all the time. And, it, you know, especially in my case, I have a 10-year-old who's on the spectrum. Like, I, you know, people are like, oh, you got, you see each other all the time. 
I'm like, yeah, we see each other all the time, but do you think that quantifies as intimacy? Like we're raising a 10 year old on the spectrum. Um, We're lucky. Like a a hot date for us is, you know, the other day our son had a crafting class. He went to the class and both of us were just so tired from the week. We took a nap. We each took a cat. We went to separate corners of our space and we took a nap and then we woke up and picked up our son. That was our hot date. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But I think people, you know, think, Oh, just because, you know, you feel this type of way or just because, you know, you might air those frustrations doesn't mean you love that person. No, you love that person. But the reality is if you live with somebody 24 seven, and if you lived with them for, more than two or three years um like i said we're at nine at this point um you have moments where you don't like each other and that's okay um it's just you know you love each other enough to push past those days where you don't necessarily like each other um but that i feel like that's normal and i hate how people make it seem like it's not because um yeah it is you know but obviously there's a difference like if you if you can't stand that person every single day of your life and it's just like a you have to just stand them then yeah that's a problem but if you wake up and you're like hey listen I don't really like you today (laughs) but tomorrow we'll try again and tomorrow you know is sunshine and roses that's normal like um I think we have that with all of our relationships. We just have to be more honest about it in our romantic relationships because, yeah. um, you know, you share, you're sharing your whole life with this other person. Yeah. Um, so well, yeah. He and, I, he and I are both in our sixties. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. And, and so it, it's true. When you get older, you get crabby and, and we're both highly critical people. So it it's like, you know, we want to argue about how to do stuff. And usually wins because, you know, sometimes, okay, a lot of the times he's right. Uh, he said, he said, he told me that he knew everything. And I thought, you you egotistical bastard. Uh, but when he, when he turned on the key to the van and got up underneath it, and the damn van started while he was still underneath it, I thought, he does know everything. yeah you know I feel like you even yourselves out with that though I know like for me and Jim my fiance you know we're six years apart so I'm 32 he's 38 um Uh and we both have our strong points I Uh know Ohio revised code very easily I can you know, I have a very critical mind when it comes to legal stuff and um, I can kind of, I'm very book smart and I'm very, you know, opinionated and I kind of, he'll give me a hard time about this sometimes, but like, I know instantly if I'm going to like somebody or if I'm not going to like them right away. And normally I'll try to give them a chance, but most of the time I just, I have my opinion and that's how I feel. And it's very seldom that I deter from that. And that's just because I feel like I have a good gauge of who people are. Um, 
where Jim, you know, he has a lot of common sense. He's a former mechanic. He can do all the mechanical things. He can do all this stuff and that. So he'll joke all the time, you know, oh yeah, I know, you know, I'm always right. I know how to do all these things. And I'm like, yes, you have common sense, but when it comes to technology and everything else, you cannot find yourself out of a paper bag. So that's where we come in together. Uh, So, yeah, I think you do need that like duality, you know, I I think that's where you really do find a partner is when they even out those parts of you that Uh you kind of, you know, you you have your ways and means. Um, So, so what is the future for D cables? Uh, I I do want to keep writing. Uh, you know, thank you for bringing that up about the uh, apocalyptic novel with Keystone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? Just, just, just remember me. Just, just remember yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be in the acknowledgement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. You heard it first on the horror craft podcast. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it was there. I, I, listen, I think that would be amazing. I, I mean, I love Mark and chisto um so much and i think their writing both their styles are amazing by themselves but the fact that they got to do a book together i knew it was going to be amazing but like i said when i read it i literally was stunned i could not even fathom what i was reading like I, I had to digest it for a full twenty minutes after I read the book. Like I'm sitting there, like, yeah, how the hell did they do that? Because I, I, I mean, you could kind of discern what the book was going to be like, but not that much. And I mean, they just that I, I literally, I think when Chiso and I did our interview, I was like, listen. I love you both, but you are sick, twisted fucks. And I mean that in the greatest way possible. Um, I just, I could not fathom the fact, but yeah, I mean, it would be amazing for you guys to do that because I just, I love when people who have such creative writing styles get together and just create things that are just so genre bending and just um perfection so i feel like you and chiso it would just be amazing so when when he and mark wrote this book together which always makes me wonder you know uh they they write it together but whose you know uh voice you know does it uh does one of them sit down and and complete the book or or write it out with each other's ideas in it or or is it do they write it together uh it's kind of like when uh 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 was it no it was Clyde Barker and Stephen King uh where they they wrote together uh I can't remember the guy's name now that's part of when you well okay that and all the when uh, you cut you're kind of talking about yeah. when uh yeah. Romero and um Peter Straub uh, Stephen King and Peter Straub, uh, yeah, yeah, they wrote together, you know, and and I thought, well, you know, how do you, you know, but but you know, maybe maybe you mesh together, you know, as writers so well that that 
it you can't tell where one ends and the other picks up uh yeah yeah. I think that that's truly the case with them because I mean Chisto his books have such a amazing detail and dark tone and Mark is fantastic at geriatric horror like when I read his book One Last Shindig like that was something completely unexpected and I told him I said listen if this isn't a movie by the time my kid graduates from high school I am going to sue Um, (laughs) because it's amazing but I mean you could tell both of them in that book like there were certain parts where I was like that's definitely Mark that's definitely Chisto Uh and then there Uh are parts where you didn't know where one ended and the other one began but very clearly it's both of their styles and they just mesh perfectly um and I think that's the perfect kind of collaboration and you know I know that they're friends and they're obviously friends before this but now being collaborators, like I told Chisto, I was like, well, listen, we need more books. Like yeah. <laughs> we, we need to figure out how this turns into a series or how you yeah. guys go about doing this again. But yeah, I, I kind of wonder about the collaborative process as well, but I just kind of get the feeling that it was very organic for them. And um, I think that it definitely reflects <laughs> in their writing um so but yeah i would definitely love to see a collaboration between you and he's though it would be it would be everything i'd be the first one to pre-order the book i would hit that button so fast that i would probably smash my computer Uh, he's a prolific writer oh he's ever seen anybody yeah that much stuff you know (laughs) yeah and he's I, if you have not gotten a chance, I, this is for anyone listening to this too. If you have not gotten a chance to listen to his episode, go back and do it. It is a long episode. Admittedly, it's probably the longest episode that we've had on the Horrorcraft podcast because it almost clocks in at three hours. Um, but even if you need to take breaks and come back and listen to it, honestly, you get such a sense of who he is. And there was just such a profound rawness in that interview with him and I both um, because we have similar circumstances. You know, we both have children, have children who, you know, can be immune and compromised a lot of times. And, um, you know, we both deal with neurodivergency and, you know, we both love film and stuff. And there was just such a brutal honesty that we, you know, we got into a lot of conversations about how dealing with neurodivergency, you know, generational trauma, all these things, you know, and understand after hearing that, how profound his voice is, Um, especially like with giving advice, anything like that. Like, there are things that he says that I literally, that still are kind of replaying in my head. Um, he just, I, I have no way other to describe it. It's just, it's just so real and authentic. And I think that really does come through with his writing. Um, so I, I'm so happy for him and Mark both with their success, but yeah, that, I mean, I did not expect that to be a three hour interview. And when I was trying to cut it, I just could not cut any of it because we just, I mean, it was just such a profound look. 
And there were things that even I was opening up and talking about that I didn't even think were possible, like articulating in a perfect way. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, and that's, that's what I love about this is, you know, the way that things can take on, you could talk, be talking about horror. And then the next thing you do is you're talking about, like, we started talking about how it is to be a parent and dealing with healing with your own, uh, you know, generational trauma while also trying to be a parent. Um, And it was just such a real conversation I didn't even think that that was where that was going to go. Um, but it just happened. And that's the one thing I love about doing this is you just get so real with people sometimes that it's just, it's great. So yeah, I, I think his voice is amazing and, um, I'm so excited that they did this book together, but again, um, so this needs to happen. Listen to this episode, you and me get on it. Um, um, I have to listen to his episode with you. Uh, I I didn't know y'all had done one, but I do now, and so I will have to watch that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that was a long time coming. Um, Chiso and I met like really weirdly, randomly on, um, like a Dollar Tree Facebook trading group, I think it was. Um, and we just started talking, and then. Uh-huh um things just kind of evolved from there and you know he's been a big supporter of the podcast and I am so appreciative um I have not only had the pleasure of knowing him and now obviously getting introduced to you because of him but also like Ruthie Ann and Mark and all the other people that he's kind of said hey you know check this out you should go on this um And I just love that because, you know, I just love being able to talk to so many people that deal so diversely within the horror realm and have such different styles than he do, he does. So um, I think that that's great. Are you a writer? I am not. No, um, no, I am definitely no, I'm not. Um, you know, I love reading, though. I have always been a huge reader. And I, you know, I think people don't know a lot about the different horror writing that can be out in the universe, Um, especially now after COVID with, you know, this, the evolution of like self-publishing and smaller publishing houses like D&T. I think it's a definite disservice that a lot of podcasts pigeonhole themselves into one particular area yeah. so yeah. movies or tv i didn't <laughs> want to do that this was my ex- <laughs> existential crisis my you know midlife crisis i turned 30 and i was like listen i've always loved horror i want to just do this um and it was scary yeah. and i just jumped and yeah, yeah it, you know we've had bumps and yeah I, did, yeah I did I did it and here we are uh but the one thing I love is being able to bring people on who are authors bring people on that are doing different things because I think when people think about horror they only think about movies and tvs they forget about the books they oh. forget about you know the art they forget about 
you know, the fandom behind it. They forget about the story building. They forget about all these different elements that just yes. don't get talked about. And I think it's an absolute tragedy because I think there are so many amazing stories that people aren't aware of right now. And right. it's easy to access like a lot of different stories that, uh, you know, we've talked about on the podcast are on Kindle Unlimited and almost everybody has an Amazon account. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just feel like it's that, but no, um, I would love to say that one day I could, I could write, but um, I, I'm going to leave that to the professionals. Um, I'll just sit here on my microphone and keep talking shit. Uh, uh, your, your pillow, <laughs> pillow behind you. Is that, uh, was that printed on there or did you sell that on there? No, I actually bought this. So um, <laughs> my whole, um, I'll have to do a tour one day, um, but my whole house is like a, a work in progress but I've collected right. things for years so yeah. my my house is very um pastel goth meets uh -huh. um spooky meets um Dracula oh, yeah. meets <laughs> yeah. um glam meets uh dark romance so I have a lot of bats everywhere in my house um uh -huh. My child is always like, mom, why is it always bats? Because I like bats, Brayden. Um, and so, but yeah, so I have a lot of like skulls and bats and stuff. Like the truly scary stuff. I have a specific room. That's my podcast. Kind of like how you were talking about with your office that I have a podcast room where I am a avid collector of physical media so I have a lot of um, shelves filled with um, movies and a lot of, like, I have Elvira figurines. Um, uh -huh. I'm yeah. a huge Elvira fan. So I have, like, the Elvira Living Dead doll. Um, but I have a lot of, like, my horror-themed stuff in there. Where out here, it's more general, like, witchy, yeah. vampire, dark, yeah. gothic, with kind of girly glam pastel mixed in um uh, you, that, you keep the uh the eyeballs and formaldehyde in in the uh podcast office. yes yeah de <laughs> yeah definitely like i like i have a poster that somehow i i don't even know how this happened but i was talking to somebody about movies <laughs> at a flea market and he was like oh yeah hey by the way i have a poster um signed by the original guy from um the hills have eyes the original oh west cleveland version and yeah. um i could sell it to you for like 15 bucks okay oh jump on it yeah oh. yeah i jumped on it and it's like a full technicolor poster with michael berryman um and it's got his signature and it's like a but stuff oh, like wow. that is yeah. in yeah. my podcast room um, along with you know all the books yeah. that I've accumulated through doing this um, just mementos different things like that so because I mean it, it's nothing super scary but um, I have a 10 year old like you know uh, you know some horror things are not appropriate like I have a Texas chainsaw blanket like yeah. I, I don't think he's going to be cuddling up with that anytime soon. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I try to keep the other stuff out here, but 
in there, you know, that's where I kind of, and that's nice because I never really had that growing up. So uh-huh. that was kind of my significant other's mission was to give me kind of a safe space where I could just go and do that and feel comfortable right, being right, that person. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. but I'm super excited Um, for everyone listening. This book is amazing. Please do yourself a favor. Go find it on Amazon. It's on Red Cape Publishing. I'll put everything in the link down below. It is great. And the illustrations are just beautiful. Like, uh, they're breathtaking. If you love horror, dark, gothic themes, romance, erotica even... Um, any kind of theme you could think of it's in this with a twist of death and I think it's absolutely amazing and so please go read it and as things come out in the future with D we will definitely keep everyone updated um, always talking about new projects and obviously you know I don't know if you've heard, you've listened to an episode before, but once you're part of the Horrorcraft family, you're always part of the Horrorcraft family. So you'll probably see Dion again um, in the future because we would love to have you back on. Um, I'd love to come back on. But thank you so much for coming on and I greatly appreciate it. And until next time, this is me, Cassandra, with the Horrorcraft podcast saying bye, go read. Uh, D's book and check out Red Cape Publishing and shout out to everyone listening in this episode Um, until next time we'll see you later bye